0: Said, said. Uh, my name is Sarah. I am the director of the youth ministry at New Philadelphia Church. Our first large group is this Friday and um, it's been crazy. My dad is here, you know, kind of last minute thing and I was like, he came at a great time. You know, launch, launching a large group, have to speak here and then Yonsei next week. Like, dad, you're just coming at a great time. Um, but I felt like as I was preparing today um, that God wants to give you a word that helps you stand firmly. He wants to give you a word that doesn't make you just stand firmly right now, but continue continue to walk steadfast towards what God wants you to be like, to be where God wants you to be, right? And so as I was preparing, um, when I first preached last semester at Yonsei, I felt a lot of pressure. It was my first time preaching. And I I just asked God, I, I got really dramatic, and I was like, God, if I can just preach one time in my entire life, just this is one chance, what is it, God? And I felt like as a preacher, you kind of have to ask that question to God. If I only have one chance to preach to this crowd one time, what is the word, right? And I really feel like this is the word for you guys, and I hope you guys are ready. Um, as Eunice said, I've been running with the Mans for four years before I became the director of the youth ministry. Um, I spent quite a number of semesters at Yonsei, a couple at SNU, and this is my first time at KU, but I felt so much at home here. This is the furthest campus. You guys know that, right? It's so far. Um, it's it's far. It's far, Johnny. It's far, um, and this is only my second time in this room. This is my first KU large group, but I just felt like I was at home. You know, this is my, um, I haven't been in a large group in quite number of months, right, since I've been out of Emmaus. And as I was worshiping right there, I just felt like, wow, I just, this is how it feels. I, I just came back, it's like, whoosh, I just came back, back to Emmaus. But there are actually more connections that I have to this place. My dad is actually a graduate of KU, Korea University. He was a class of 1973, which means, which means there's, He said he came to visit a couple days ago, and they don't even have the buildings that he used to have (laughs) when he was here. Um, My husband, actually, can we get that picture up, Sam? Uh, My husband, actually, who was then my boyfriend, he was actually part of KU Imeus team that he's on the far, you're right, um, that launched the first large group at KU. Emmaus. And they, they call themselves KUDT, KU Dream Team. And I get hecka jealous because I could never get invited to any of their stuff because I was at SNU. And they're always hanging out. They got these, like, cool Letterman jackets. And so that's my husband. So I have that kind connect of connection here. Uh, the next picture, uh, that's Sarah. She was in her first semester at Young's as an exchange student. I was her familia leader. And believe me. She was nowhere close to where she is right now. She was still smoking. She was still drinking. She was doing all of that, and i that's how I got her, okay? And so that's the connection I have. But also, like you guys know, Eunice and I are best friends. And so I brought a couple of pictures from her college days. That's us. Um, that's. That's Eunice in the middle, that's me. Um, I cannot verify if there was alcohol or there was no alcohol, but you guys know it's college, so you guys are cool. Um, next picture, and that was our Mexican theme party from um, I think one of our friend's birthday party, we had a Mexican theme, and so we got all dressed up as señoritas, right? Um, and so obviously I have a very deep relationship with this campus. I don't, I'm not just here as a speaker, I, I know you guys, I know this place, right? And so, with all these connections in history, you feel closer to a place. You feel closer to an organization. You feel closer even to the people that you might, you might not even have met. Um, and tonight, I, my sermon is called History Lesson. History Lesson. Okay, let's get the picture's down. Um, I was a history major in, when I was in my undergrad, with also a political science minor. And I'm actually in um, seminary right now and I'm taking church history class which um, which I was most excited about and I still am most excited about because it's it teaches you about things about why the church is the way it is now but it happened two thousand years ago there's so much history behind so many things that we we just take for granted now, but but 2,000 years ago, it was revolutionary, and it changed everything for modern churches, right? And one of the things I just want to give you a quick little tidbit, I just thought it was so fascinating, I learned this last week, was um, there were a lot of Christian sects sects, uh, in the fifth century, and all these different divisions of Christianity were arguing with each other, Including Judaism, about the divinity of Jesus, about how to do this in church and how you shouldn't do this at church and that can't happen and this can happen. And it was around the place called Arabia, like, um, you know, in the Middle East. And there was this one man who was listening to all these Christian leaders of different, you know, organizations, of different churches arguing violently with each other about the, the smallest little details. And they were just yelling at each other, calling each other liars. And he, as a man who was really into religion, realized this is not a good religion. There's no way this religion of the of Christ can really be a good religion if they just keep arguing all the time. And this man actually happened to be Muhammad, who actually started Islam, and who actually took over all of northern Africa and half of Western Europe. And so when I heard that, I was like, wow. I sat there. And closed. Wow. We distance we distance ourselves from Islam as a as a religion that we kind of war against, but actually the religion of Islam actually was birthed out of something negative out of Christianity. And so all these little things, actually they're not apart from each other, they're all connected. And there's this thing where God wants you to remember the history that you have with God. The history that you personally, not you as a people, but you as a person, have with God. And he he commands people, remember, remember, remember. As if you guys are babies and we won't remember, right? But he keeps telling you, remember, remember, remember. Remember my history with you. Remember what I've done for you. Remember all the things we've done together. Remember. And there's a group of people specifically in the Bible that he tells that to very, very, very often like, repetitively, almost too much, right? And it's, it's the Israelites. It's it is just chosen people called Israelites, and he continues to tell them, remember what I've done for you. Remember what we've gone together, right? And actually, let's look at a specific passage, and that's going to be our passage for tonight. Um, let's all turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, oh, sorry, verse 1. And I'm going to give you a couple seconds to get there, but I'll just keep on reading. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what, you, what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestor had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your hearts that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and. revering him for the lord your god is bringing you into a good land and a land with brooks streams and a deep spring gushing out into the valley and hills a land with wheat barley vines and thick trees pomegranates olive oil and honey a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing a land where the rocks are iron and you dig you dig, you, dig, blah, blah, you dig copper out of the hills when you have eaten and are satisfied praise the lord your god for the good land he has given you Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day so as a background, like a history to this passage, the Israelites have been under slavery for hundreds and hundreds of years, right? And finally, he sends Moses, and Moses does these incredible miracles, Um, you know, all the seven plagues, and all the the sticks turning into snakes, and and all the people dying, but not the Israelites, right? All these miracles, and they come out, and there's another miracle. The sea splits, and they walk safely across the sea, and even as they're in the desert, there's there are miracles day and night literally day and night right in the morning manna comes down from the skies and they eat water is coming out of the rocks clothes that they wear for 40 years it doesn't it doesn't you know tear it doesn't get old and it says your their feet their actual feet they don't swell Every single day that the Israelites were in the desert, they experienced miracles every single day. And you would think, if I was an Israelite at that time, and I saw miracles every day, I would never forget what God has done, right? You'd be so bold and so just go up to God's, I would never forget that. 40 years of every day, you know, experiencing miracles, I would never forget that. But God commands at the end, remember what I've done for you. Remember what I've done. Because what, you know what happens right after this passage? They start worshiping a golden calf. You know what happens right before this passage? They enter, they look into the land of Canaan and see giants and say, God can't. God can't take us into this land. Because we're natural creatures who forget, who have natural instincts to fight, to, to run away And our natural instinct isn't always to stand our ground and say, I remember what God has done, and I'm going to stand my ground. I remember what God has done in our past, so I'm going to keep going forward. We're not naturally inclined to do that. So God is, you know, commanding us desperately stay. Remember our history. Remember where I've taken you. There are three specific things that the Israelites really struggle with in the desert. And I feel like these things specifically relate to us now. And I wanted us to take some time to look at these three points and think about what is our history with this and what is God speaking over us, right? Um, The first point, you need to remember your history with God to fight against, number one is fear. Israelites, as they're entering the promised land of Canaan, this is what God has promised them. Even when they were under slavery, as they were crossing the Red Sea, as they're walking through the desert, God said, I have a promised land for you. This is what I'm going to give you. It's all, we're almost there. Just keep going. And as they stand, literally looking into the land, they see big giants. Literally, they're a lot bigger. I don't know what they're eating or what kind of exercise program they're on, but they're significantly bigger. And they say, we, we can't fight them. We can't go in there. Fear overtakes them because they have forgotten who God is. What do you fear? And I'm not saying like, do you fear, you know, um, darkness or spiders or things like that? Yeah, you know, I'm sure those are very like valid fears. When I'm asking about fear is what makes you uncomfortable? What trespasses your comfort and your idea of safety? What makes you flinch and what makes you say, I can't move forward? And how do you deal with that fear? We naturally, I think this is number one way of dealing with fear, is that you ignore it, right? Like, you're like oh, I don't see it. It's not there. I have no idea what that looks like. I don't smell it. I don't see it, right? Or sometimes we fight with our natural self. We fight with words. We fight with our logic, right? We fight with what we can do. Some fears, like money, like losing your wealth, not having success in life, not making anything of yourself, making yourself a fool in front of your parents or your your friends. Those are actual fears that we must confront. And when we're confronted with those fears, are we going to ignore it as if you don't feel it or fight against it out of your own flesh? In Psalm chapter 27, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Fear is like darkness in your life you can't smell it, you can't feel it sometimes, but it slowly comes over you, and you don't know what's happening, but slowly you're overcome with fear, and at that moment, God is asking you, don't run away, don't try to fight the light, I mean, don't try to fight the darkness by your own light, but what do you do? You have to remember what God has done for you. He is your salvation. Salvation doesn't come from you or anybody else. It only comes from Jesus Christ, And because of the light of salvation in you, he's saying, hey, as you look at that darkness, do not be afraid. You can go forward. You can walk through it. He wants our first reaction to be, I see what's happening. I see the darkness. But I choose to remember. I choose to remember. Um, Like Eunice said, I am the director of our youth ministry. And we had our first fellowship event a couple weeks ago. And um, because of some, you know, things of, or other, we couldn't really connect with the students or youth students. Um, we couldn't get into international schools because, you know, they don't know us. So we could just be creepers trying to hand out flyers on their campus or, you know, we can't just go to churches and be like, hey, we're starting a youth ministry. So please come to our church, you know. And so Pastor David, who's, you know, my partner in crime, in that ministry, we were fully ready to have all the pizza and games ready, and it just be me and him, because we had no idea who was going to show up. Like, I, I haven't made connections with anybody. I don't know. I don't know who's going to I don't know who knows about us. So, you know, in faith, I got the pizza, we got the games, we cleared out the floor, and I, and I just sat there, and I was like, here we go. You know, I'm I'm going to hope someone shows up, but I am fully ready to take all this pizza home and eat it for a week. I'm okay with that. And as I was sitting there, and I was praying with everybody, God said, do you not remember your days at Emmaus? And I was like, well, I remember. It's just it's a lot of years, so I'm not sure which one you're asking. But he said, do you remember the year? I don't know. Not everybody was here. Maybe only Eunice remembers, but a um, couple of years back at Yonsei, we lost our large group room. And um, like they just took it from us out of like on Monday night, so we have Tuesday large groups, right? So Tuesday, so for the rest of the semester, maybe like eight semesters after that, we were nomads. Everybody was on their phone on Tuesday morning, Tuesday like five o'clock, six o'clock, and we don't know where large group is gonna be. And as soon as Tina, who's the director at um, Yonsei, she said, okay, large group at blah, 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 everybody's like, okay, mobilize, and we all go. And that was our semester. Every semester was a new room, and we thought we were gonna lose students, but we actually started growing. And God was like, I did that for you because, I did that for Emmaus, and I did it for you guys because I want you to know that this ministry is bigger than you. It's bigger than what you can do. It's about what I want. I want this ministry to grow. And so I was sitting there, it was 7 o'clock, and then like, 12 kids come out of nowhere. Like, they're coming out of the bushes. I don't know where they're coming from. And I, and they're like, oh, I was like, how did you hear about it? I was like, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so told me about so-and-so, and I, I'm just here. I was like, okay. And then more, so we have 15 students show up, and I was like, I I remember, Father, I'm sorry that I doubted you and I feared my heart, but I remember what you did for me, and I'm going to stand my ground, and I'm not going to fear. Amen? The second thing that you need to remember Um, You need to remember your history with God to fight against sin. Um, We talked about how the Israelites all of a sudden started worshiping a golden calf. Now, that's idolatry, and that's a big no-no. Everybody understands that, right? Like, you can't make another idol out of uh, man-made hands and worship it. And in verse 18 and 19 of Deuteronomy 8, it says this. Uh, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers. at it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Yikes. Perish obviously means you're going to die if you serve other idols before me. And God is not like, oh, you know, you're going to die. But He's like, I solemnly warn you that if you do this, you will perish. Right? He's very serious. He's not playing around. And before you go, God, you need to calm down. It's not that serious, right? Um, you need to remember this. Where is my verse? Where's my verse? Where's my verse? it is romans chapter 6 verse 23 the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord when you sin and you blatantly sin and you continually sin it's not just you doing the act of sin that's bad but it's literally killing you because sin is death because sin separates you from god right and so when god's trying to be this harsh with you about you're going to perish You have to see in the heart of a father. He's saying, I don't want you to die, so please stop sinning. I don't want you to be apart from me, so please stop sinning. I don't want you to be apart from me, so I need you to stop sinning now. So we can be closer, so you can be full of life, so you don't have to walk this path any longer. When we talk about sin, it's not... So when God's like, if you, I solemnly warn you, if you do this, you're going to die. It's not like, oh, don't do that. Your mommy's watching you. It's not like that kind of cute thing. It's not like, oh, don't touch that. Your mommy's watching you. It's, it's, you know, you got to take this seriously. And as much as um, fear is darkness, sin is like a chain. Sin is like a chain around your ankles and around your throat, choking the life out of you. And when God is approaching sin, And you remember your history with God. He wants you to remember that you're a people of covenant. He says that, right? He wants to keep covenant with you. So please do not sin. Covenant people are people that are in promise to God, but not just like a pinky swear. Not like, oh, I promise to be there at seven o'clock, but lifelong commitment to be with you lifelong commitment to be your God and to be a savior to your people. That's his commitment to you. So he said, please don't forget our history, that you are a people of covenant. So sin is beneath you. When you continually deal with the same sin over and over again, stand your ground and say, I'm a people of covenant and sin is beneath me. In Romans six fourteen it says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you were not under law, but under grace. God wants you to say, when you're faced with sin, habitual sin in your life, God wants you to stand my, your ground and say, I remember that God said, I'm a people of covenant. And this sin has no power over me. I can stand my ground. And I cannot, I, ha- I don't have to sin any longer. I'm going to quickly share a story. Um, my first semester as a small group leader at um, Emmaus, there was this girl who was dealing with continual habitual sin. She was sleeping around with this guy, and every single week she would come, and we had accountability. She's like, I did it again. I'm like, okay, it's okay, it's okay, pray. Next week she's like, I did it again. And I'm like, okay. And this continued on for months. Every single week we would have accountability, and she said. Like, I did it again. I pray for her. She's like, okay, I can do it. And she goes out. Next week, the same thing. And one day, I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't angry. But I told her, hey, do you know how important you are? Do you know that your decisions matter? That what you decide to do actually matters? That's why habitual sin in your life should not be happening. Not because you're supposed to be a good person, which is, you know, a good thing. But deeper than that, God calls you special, so your decisions matter. Your choices matter. So I need you to stop this because you're making bad choices. And after that, she realized, I'm a, I'm a part of a covenant. Sin is beneath me. And I kid you not, after that, I don't have to have the conversation with her any longer. Sin was beneath her, and she recognized that. The last thing I just really want to quickly share is um, the last thing is offense and disappointment. Uh, the Israelites were spending 40 days in the desert, 40 days and then 40 years, right, in the desert, and they started grumbling they said it's hot. I'm tired. I was like, you've been a slave for hundreds of years and now you're saying you're tired and you're hot, right? But what they were saying is that I've been waiting too long for this promised land. I can't do this anymore. You said we would be here by now. You said we'd go there by now. You said this would happen to us by now, but this hasn't happened yet. So I'm disappointed in you, God. I'm very disappointed in you and I'm carrying offense towards you. As, you, as we continue our walk with God, I feel like as we mature, this is actually our number one enemy of a mature Christian. Are you going to keep offense and disappointments towards God? In Isaiah 40, verse 28 says this, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, and the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not, grow, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And we're going to jump to 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When you feel like there's disappointment and offense towards God in your heart, once again, God wants you to say, stand your ground and remember the good things that God has done for you. It says his, what does it say here? It says his understanding is unsearchable. As in, The reasons why he's doing it, you don't know yet. Like you don't know the end result. You don't know why things are playing out the way it is. So God is saying, trust me. Do you remember the time I was faithful to you till the end? Do you remember the time that I rescued you? Do you remember that? So let's remember that and stay the course because there is something unsearchable that I want to show you. I know you're frustrated right now, but there's something unsearchable that's going to be revealed later. And this concept is so hard because you're like, God, I thought we were, you know, we're tight. And you're not going to tell me what's going to happen in the future. You're not going to tell me where this is going to go. If I pray earnestly, are you not going to answer my prayer? But God is saying, my understanding is unsearchable. It's not for you to know, but for you to trust me. And when you have that understanding, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time. I'm not going to lie. Once you get that, there's so much freedom in trust. There's so much more freedom in understanding, God, the history that I had with you, it wasn't a lie. It wasn't made up in my mind. You're right. You are unsearchable. Your understanding is unsearchable. So I'm just going to wait. And I'm going to find my strength in you. One of my small group girls from a couple semesters ago, she was Catholic, and um, obviously she wasn't very exposed to this kind of setting, right? Um, but when she came, she just fell in love with everything, and she joined our small group. She loved it. Um, and she was so on fire that by the end of her semester here, she was like, I'm going to go on this missions trip with, with New Philadelphia. I'm going to go. She paid her deposit. She, you know, her family was like, what are you doing? You're Catholic. What are you doing? But she was like, no, I'm not anymore. And she, she, was, she was like so on fire. And, she, and I just loved watching her because it was like, dang, she got conviction, right? And about a month or two before she was supposed to fly out for a missions trip, she got a call from her parents saying, your dad's in the hospital. He has bacterial meningitis. He's going to die in three days. I need you to come back to America right now. And in my faith, you know, of course, you know, we sent her with blessing and we told her, if you come back even the day before the plane leaves for the missions trip, you can be on the team. It's fine. Just go, be a blessing to your family. She goes and for two months, she and I are praying. I, like I've never prayed before. Like I'm, I, I've never Poured so much of my faith into this. I said, "God, I know you're gonna heal. I know you're gonna heal her dad, and I know you're gonna turn uh, their hearts around, and she's gonna be on that plane, and she's gonna go to Indonesia and do great things in the missions field." Every single morning and night, I prayed with tears, like you know the you know the posture, the fetal position, like that kind of like earnest. I know it God. and 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 every night after I prayed, I was like, "I just know it. I know it. I know she's gonna be on that plane." And day after day passed by weeks after weeks and finally the plane left and she wasn't on the plane actually what happened was her dad's condition got worse they said you really need to prepare for a funeral because he's really going to die they either need to get a transplant or he's going to die and I remember when the plane left and I think a bunch of us were watching the Batman movie Rise what? Dark Rises yes, that one and I remember sitting there And I was kind of, I was really disappointed. Because I said, if I pour this much faith, if I pray with all this faith and all this time, not to say that, you know, you know, just because I did it, it should happen. But I was like, you know, this is kind of what happens, right? You pray earnestly and the door opens. But it didn't work out the way I thought, the way I wanted it to. And while we're watching the movie, it was a great movie, by the way. It was so inspiring, you know, when he was climbing up that wall. I was, like, I was, like moved to tears. And then after the movie, the, the, the credits go up. And I was, like, oh, <gasps> and I, I almost, like, want to cry because I think it was just, like, the pileup of emotions of all the whole day. And I was, like, oh, <sighs> and I'm just sitting there in this huge, like, IMAX screen. I'm, like, oh, <sighs> and I'm, like, about to cry. And, then, and just then I get a text from her on, on a Facebook message, and she goes, I kid you not, my dad made a miraculous recovery overnight. And he is completely fine. And they're taking him out of ICU. And he's going to live. And that's when I legit cried. <laughs> and I, and at that moment, I was like, my first thought wasn't, God, then why didn't you do it the way I wanted it to? Then why wasn't she on the plane? The plane left this morning that like, she should have been on this plane. But my first thought was, God, I remember what you have done. You said that you would heal, and you said you would turn this all around for her good, and you have. You rem- I remember, God, that you are good to her and her family. Sometimes things don't make sense the way you wanted it to. Sometimes things don't go the way you wanted to, but sometimes you have to say, I remember, and stay the course. Because at the end, the unsearchable will be revealed to you. And you don't, want that to, you don't want to miss out on that because you told yourself, I'm disappointed. I'm done. While I was preparing for this message, actually, this message, I don't know why, but I have this, like, visions of me preaching at places, right? And this is the message I thought I was going to preach two years ago. And this is before I even started preaching, before they even let me preach. For some reason, I was like, if I ever go to KU, this is the message I'm going to preach, History lesson, remember what God has done for you because fear, sin, and disappointment should not hold you back. And as I was preparing for this morning and at the office today, I was just like, man, I either feel really heavy or discouraged or something. I, I'm not feeling this. But as I was on the train, God said, do you remember two years ago when you thought you were going to preach this message? That's when you first started. First large group, and I said, "God, I remember." And if you remember, then go preach it. And I believe that people, some of you guys here, especially you guys, are stuck in one place. You guys are stuck, kind of, in a rut, and you don't know how to move faster as you want to. You don't know how to, you know, throw things that are from your past. Just you don't know how to throw it to the, you know, your past and just run forward. I feel this tension here where you guys feel like, I want to run faster. I want to move forward, but I don't know how to. And God is saying, remember that the power in you is from God. The strength in you is from Jesus Christ. You are not weak. You are very strong. You are so strong. Remember the history that I have with you. Even the family that you have. Remember the history that you guys carry. We're going to take some time to pray.